podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and they mean it all. I'm your host, Juan the Burns, and my kind of part, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? Yeah, man, it's another day, another dollar, huh? Yep. <laughs> another day, another dollar. <laughs> Regular routine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and for this episode, we, we have a lot of topics to get into um, tonight, as always. Um, obviously, some, some NFL topics, college football. College basketball just uh, just started um, a few days ago. NBA topics, some album reviews in the second half. We're gonna do a review of Fruitvale Station, but to start off with just thoughts on you know a thrilling um, Minnesota Buffalo game and, and kind of also analyzing the, the the critical Josh Allen turnovers. Uh, Minnesota won 33 to 30 in overtime, and and Peterson intercepted Josh Allen with 112 left in in uh, overtime in a sloppy yet kind of you know thrilling back and forth game. Um, Minnesota also rallied from a 17 point second half deficit and. Looking at the, this game for Minnesota, them being eight and one, also Buffalo having two back to back losses. Like, what what were your thoughts on this matchup and kind of just you know how it ended and also some of the the, the decisions Josh Allen made which affected the loss. That's the that's the entire game. Yeah, Josh Allen played a sloppy football game and it showed. They still have the opportunity to win, but three turnovers by your head guy is kind of and you let old. Patrick Peterson get get an interception on you, man. He's in a, the later stage of his career, but that's yeah. but that's the game. The entire I think the entire game was sloppy on both sides. Yes, the Vikings comes back from a seventeen point deficit uh, to you know go into overtime and actually winning it with the, the seal interception from right. Patrick Peterson. But it just looked like it was sloppy. These are two considered now best teams in AFC and the NFC, but it just looked extremely sloppy, especially from Josh Allen. I think that's the difference we're seeing between the first couple of years he's been in the league. He's been a poised uh, pocket passer and a, a good game manager, and he makes good decisions. This game, he made a ton of bad decisions. This entire season has yeah. been, a, you know, had some bad, you know, bad plays and bad decision as a quarterback. And I, I want him to get back to what we saw a year prior, no, two years prior, if, if you will. But it just looks sloppy. Both teams look sloppy. Yes, Vikings are 81, had an NFC North. They played a great game, had to come back from a 17-point deficit. But hats off to the defense, but both teams look extremely sloppy. Yeah. Sloppy. Sloppy <laughs> Joe. <laughs> put that over the description of, of the game. <laughs> um, and, and like, when you look at kind of like, what's, you know, what, what Minnesota has been doing in, in, in this, in this season, and also kind of like comparing them to some of the other NFC teams, like obviously like Philadelphia, they just lost to Washington. Like, what are your thoughts on kind of like how, how the, the, the top seeded teams in the NFC look? Because like a lot of times we can see teams drop, even Dallas, like, you know, against your Green Bay, Green Bay Packers, dropped a game that, that, that they probably should have won. Like, what are your thoughts on some of the recent losses from, from some of, like, the NFC's best teams and kind of, like, how they can bounce back going forward? We're getting in the bulk of it, right? We're getting the bulk of the season, yeah. a bulk of the schedule. There, it's just harder teams in the middle of the schedule. Um, and a lot of people said that about the Minnesota Vikings, that their schedule was – was weak in a sense, but you know, Patrick Peterson made a comment about look at it now, you know, what all the people are talking. But you look at the strength of schedule, I think uh Philadelphia Eagles still had a, a strong schedule. They just in any given Sunday, to be honest with you, and that's a division rival. So they're always gonna play up to speed. And you see the the Vikings eight and one had to play a tough Buffalo team. I still think is a, a top contender in the AFC. So when these guys lose, they're in the this is the the heat in the bulk of the uh, of the 
the middle of the season. So you're going to have more opponents. You have teams that starting to figure out their rosters, starting to figure out their personnel, starting to figure out how to game plan against some of these teams and they improve every single week. So it's a bulk of the schedule. So when teams are, I don't, I never is, is rare a team to go undefeated. You know, that's right. Patriots. That's Patriots, Patriots level. <laughs> yeah. Patriots level. I don't think any of these teams is on the Patriots level, what they used to be right. not even close, but yeah, you, you're going to get, you're going to get some losses in the middle of the season and probably a tail end. Cause you're going to rest some players. Mm. You, you're, you're just worried about getting to the, to the playoffs and the division. So you're going to, you're going to get catch some losses in the middle at the end of the season. If you're already, you know, Leading your division, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now getting into, into the 49ers' home win over the Chargers this past Sunday night. San Francisco won 22-16, to and the 49ers' defense just had a you know a, a really dominant performance. McCaffrey ran for the go-ahead touchdown with, with 750, 7.54 to play, and the Niners pitched a second half um, shutout. But what are your thoughts on this win for the 49ers and, and how they've been developing throughout the season? Because now they're starting to get more healthy uh, at this point of the year, and it seems as though, even though they're they're not fully at where they want to be, they are kind of starting to click um, on a certain on certain cylinders. First of all, what a pickup for the 49ers and Kristen uh, McCaffrey. Yeah, man, four touchdowns, and I think it was four tu- four touchdowns in the last three games. Starting to figure out the mm-hmm. system of Cal Shanahan, and Cal Shanahan is just like Sean McVay. They know how to get their ball players and their star players the ball. Yeah. And I, I love that about those teams. And Andy Reid is the same way. So when you look at that, he's always going to get opportunities to get the ball in his hand. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing impressive ball. I, I got a hats off. I'm a huge Jimmy yeah. hater. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Jimmy hater. Uh, I thought he was <laughs> he, he was underwhelming, especially in the Super Bowl when they had a chance to win that. He was definitely yeah. underwhelming, but now him getting the reins back and his contract is beautiful. I hate Trey Lance had to go down, but it was he Jimmy won in a sense, and he's leading the team. I mean, obviously he's yeah. still five and four, but he looks good. Nineteen for twenty eight, two hundred forty yards, and he, you know, they I think they fell like 14, 17 points and rallied back. He got a quarterback sneak, and it's it's a couple other things that they're starting to build that momentum back. George Kittle is finally fully healthy. Christian McCaffrey is there. Debo is there. So they're starting to pick up the personnel and figure out how to win basketball, excuse me, win football games. And when Jimmy G is playing like this, they have an opportunity to, to go on a run. Oh, yeah. And they're not they're not out yet. I, th- I stay there still in the ball game trying to make the playoffs. They're not out yet. If Jimmy G continues to play like he's doing now and managing and Picking up big big plays when when needed. I think they're. I think they have a, a shot to run for the playoffs. They, they oh, yeah. might have a run for it. They might get a run for it. Might, might have a shot. Might might, might possibly. Might, have, might possibly. <laughs> Just might. 50 50. 50, 50. <laughs> 50, 50. Um and, and and another another thing I want to mention was was Seattle because you know they're um they recently had, had a loss against against Tampa Bay that we're about to that we're about to cover lately. But like, what are your thoughts on how the NFC West currently look because you look at the Rams; they are, are having a really rough season. Cooper Cup had it had it had an injury recently yeah. that's going to keep him out for this year. Like, what are your thoughts on on the NFC West and, and how it's currently looking? There's no clear cut team that's ahead of ahead of the other. Yeah, you look. Yeah, so Seattle is six and four. Uh, 
49ers 5-4. and four. You just mentioned the Rams not looking as poised. We talked about them a couple weeks ago and how their offense has shifted and it's, it's extremely difficult to uh, have the success that you have prior uh, from the, the from previous year. But there's no clear cut. Even with Seattle being 6-4, and four, none of these teams are setting themselves apart. Right. So everybody has an opportunity to still be in the to, to win the the, the win the division. So yeah. I still haven't seen that we've seen spurts of goodness in 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 in, in progression with the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith, but yeah. it's still kind of like a little tweaking that yeah, needs to come not, about it's it. It's not fully formed yet. Yeah, and I've seen that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Geno played a, a decent a pretty good game. He had a high, you know, Q- QBR percentage percentage rating, and then I think he threw for 275 yards and two touchdowns. You don't look good. I think the defense is lacking the identity they once had yeah. prior. You know, with Legion of Boom, Kelly, <laughs> Legion of Boom, uh, uh, Wagner, Bobby Wagner, the whole shebang. They're missing the identity. They finally get a, a quarterback. You no, know I won't say finally get a quarterback because I'm not gonna. I still believe in Russell Wilson. <laughs> first and foremost. And Russ we trust. Russell, <laughs> yes. And Russ we trust. Russ for president 2024. Uh, first Lady Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that would be a fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but but <laughs> I don't even know how to move on from that. I don't even know how to do <laughs> Kind of something. <laughs> I am sorry. But, but to a topic you want to get to, Packers obviously always when the when the Packers have have, have a win, it's, it's, it's something we got to talk about. But I mean, <laughs> but but for this overtime game though, I mean, you know, they win thirty one twenty eight. Um, you know, Rogers throws three touchdown passes to, to rookie Christian Watson and let a you know fifty four fifty five yard drive in overtime set up yeah. Mason Crosby's a game winning twenty eight yard field goal, and this also stopped a, you know a five games a, a possible skid for for the Packers, but. What are your thoughts on this game and kind of how it how it ended? Because, you know, this looked like the type of game Dallas should have won, but Green Bay was kind of, you know, still able to find a way uh, to, to, yeah. to rally and pick up a win. You know, you know, late quarter uh, interceptions, Dak threw two of those. And then just, you know, Watson finding a way to be a mismatch this game. I'm still not convinced that we're we're going to do anything. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, even the Bears are looking good right now in front of <laughs> In front of us, Justin so I'm still Fields not convinced. Yeah, he's he's coming to his own. I think they're trying to figure out, even though they're, what they're four and six or yeah. something like that, they're still trying to figure figure their weapons out for Justin Fields. Right. But I'm still not convinced with the Buccaneers. But I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that we're we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, we beat the Dallas Cowboys. Whoop de whoop. But I, I, I hats off to Washington scoring three touchdowns and finding a way to be a Definitely mismatch. Not. Yeah, and I, and I think that probably attests to the running game. The running game was working against the Dallas Cowboys, one of their Achilles heels this year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of give that one-on-one matchup on the outside. And you, you got to catch the ball. Aaron Rodgers was accurate this game. So, you know, it was a good win. You know, Mason Crowby coming, coming in the clutch like he always did. But it's, I'm still not convinced. Tennessee up, you know? up, Tennessee up, uh, up next tomorrow night. So that's that's going to be a – it's It should be a doozy because yeah, we're terrible in the run game. <laughs> Pick up overtime win, then you got Tennessee next. So. <laughs> right. I hope we don't. Hope he doesn't run for 190 yards. <laughs> if there's ever a team that run defense this defense does not want to see is is Tennessee. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not, bro. And we yeah. got so many people hurt, bro. It's gonna. Hopefully, we can contain them. But I don't know. Yeah. Hands up, like 
Um, and, and also getting to, to you know, we, we, we kind of mentioned it briefly, but on the Tampa Tampa Bay side of things with them, you know, winning 21 to 16 in the first game ever played in Germany and Brady, you know, threw t- uh, two touchdown passes. Is he also connected with Julio Jones and Chris Godwin uh, on on scoring passes and Leonard Fournette ran uh, ran one in? What are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay win, you know, them improving uh, to 500 and kind of looking a little similar, like, like they seem like they have a better identity uh, in these last two weeks. What are your thoughts on kind of how they're looking? on how they've currently been playing and where they can take it going forward. Like, do you think there can be massive improvement or do you think it's one of those things where you still kind of have major concerns with them going forward? For, for sure. I think once I said, like I said, it's in the middle of the season, tail end of the season. So guys are coming back. Julio Jones was hurt for a while. Mike Evans was in and out. God, excuse me. God, when it wasn't as, you know, as top tier as he was coming, coming up, coming back from an injury. So it's a lot of moving parts for the Buccaneers and in the off field woes, like we talked about last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. And once you started getting guys back in Julio and Mike Evans and Godwin, those three wide receivers, now the defensive package is going to be different. Your run game is going to work a little more. And White had a, a pretty good game with, I think it was 105 yards. Um, you know, 22 attempts, 105 yards, and Leonard Fournette had, you know, 57 yards. So the running game was working until a bit, and it gives the opportunity for the outside receivers, especially the, you know, the, the uh, inside receivers as well to, to mismatch and create plays. But, you know, middle of the season, guys are coming back. I'm still concerned about the Buccaneers, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, Julio's back. We don't know how, because he, on that big play that he got, he came up limping. So I was like, oh, he like just came back. Now he's going to come back. So I'm still worried about the the injuries that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers exhumes every single year. Yeah. Um, and then the off the off field, you know, woes that's kind of trickling into the uh into on the, the on field. Yeah. On field. So it's I'm still concerned. De- definitely concerned. I think I definitely downplayed it. In the offseason, in the you know preseason man, we were looking, training we, camp, we were talking about that like, oh man, it's it's Brady, it's like, nothing, <laughs> and now they're five and five. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> maybe he should have stayed on. I don't yeah. know. Maybe he should have. Mm. Um, and, and after transitioning to uh to, to college football with LSU's close win versus Arkansas, LSU won thirteen to ten on the road, and Harold Perkins Jr. had had a strip sack of, of Cade Fortune with one seventeen left, clinching the win and kept LSU's college football playoff hopes alive. Uh, Perkins finished with two forced fumbles, four sacks, and eight tackles. But what are your thoughts on this extremely, you know, close win from LSU and, you know, them also staying in playoff contention? Because off of that big win against Alabama, you know, some experts were saying, like, you know, there, there could be a bit of a, a letdown and possibly, like, you come off that emotional high, you you may not be as focused. But what, what were some of your thoughts on, on this, uh, on the outcome of this matchup? The, you know, Arkansas didn't capitalize on what the defense did. The defense got them in the game, obviously, 13 10. I thought when they have the big play, I think it was with um, they had the big play with it was one of the wide receivers of Arkansas. I think it Landers. When Landers had the big play, I thought that was going to ignite them and get behind them. Okay, let's and they're going to score and put some more points on the board. But they they didn't. LSU defense is really good. They have a phenomenal freshman. He looks like he's been there for 40 years. He's number 40. He had a phenomenal flu game. That's what they yeah, say. He's like, yeah. So uh, I forgot the young man's name, but what a freaky 
freaky, freaking nature of a person he is. The man was everywhere. Strip sacks. The guy was everywhere. He he, he was he plays outside linebacker, defensive end. He could play middle linebacker. But I just think the Arkansas Razorbacks did not capitalize on what the defense did for them because they had these they wild had chances. They had chances. To win. Yes. Yeah. Chances, even with I think it was the the strip sack on the five ten yard line, and they it was four down territory, didn't punch it in, and I was like, you got to get that in, you you yeah. got and you give them opportunity to come back out. So it was missed opportunities the entire game for the Razorbacks. Both teams, both defense played really really well. It's just Tigers had enough to 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 edge them out. But yeah, man, Razorbacks should be punching themselves in the back of the head just like that, just punching. <laughs> Just push themselves in the back end, man. They they missed out on a lot of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into TC, TCU's road win versus Texas. Um, you know TCU won seventeen to ten, and they earned their their Big Twelve title berth. Uh, Kendrick Kendrick Miller rushed for one hundred thirty eight yards, including a seventy five yard touchdown in the third quarter that broke open. You know a tense defensive struggle. But what were some of your main takeaways from this game, and also you know the high amount of success um TCU has recently been having. You know, TCU looks good. I don't know if they're playoff good. They're, they're right. sitting at number four. We still got a, a couple other things going on with division championships. I mean, well, rivalries, and then you got the division championships going on or yeah. conference, conference championships, championships or whatever. Conference, I'm thinking the NFL division. <laughs> um, so I don't know if they're going to stay there well, to be right. completely honest with you. But what a game by Kendrick, you know, Kendrick uh, Miller with the 75-yard bomb downtown. Yeah. Can you dig it? <laughs> Man, yeah, that was he was he got out there. He got out of there. Yes. But yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. And no, nothing else wild me. I obviously when you when you think of the Big 12, Big 12 defenses is 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 yeah. not existing at certain certain points, but um it just didn't wow me. Yeah, Miller's Miller's play was was really good with the city five touchdown. That's why I say I don't think they're ready for the playoffs. I don't think mm-hmm. they're gonna stay at number four. I think I think uh, Tennessee might sneak back in there, and uh, maybe a, co- a couple other teams that uh, on the brink of getting it back in there. But I don't think TCU is going to going to stay in there. Right. Like in terms of the other teams that that, that are currently put in that that for obviously Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Like, what are your thoughts on those? You know, other other three teams and kind of how they're looking this season. Because obviously, so I mean, thought, Georgia is oh, like we're we're convinced. Yeah. Like Georgia, I think Georgia is going to repeat. Like they, yeah, they, I think they, so too. they don't look like a team like that that really has any weaknesses. But no, the other two teams, you know, still like Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to cancel themselves out eventually. Yeah, for sure. And and I think right now those two teams definitely deserve to be in there. But it's always right. comes down to the championship. And you know, Michigan looked good. Michigan running game looks phenomenal. Offensive line looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they they squeaked out a couple games. But I think they. They solidify themselves by, you know, beating teams they're supposed to beat. Um, and then Ohio State, you know, looked shaky. That Notre Dame game was going back and forth. And then from there, there's, you know, the strength of the schedule is so weak. And then they just, you know, dog other teams. But when it comes to that championship, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. That's why I say, T- I don't think TCU is going to to stay long. I think Tennessee is going to sneak back in there. Um Ah, yeah, I just feel Tennessee's gonna sneak back in there. It's gonna be a rematch. I just, I, so? I just, yeah, I feel it. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. It's gonna be, it gotta be a rematch. Just like uh, when LSU and Alabama played. Oh twice. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think season. it's guys. Yeah, I think it's gonna be similar to that. Definitely. 
Um, and, and also now getting into like most intriguing Week Twelve game. Um, I mean, I think Georgia Kentucky. Obviously, seeing yeah. another week of Georgia, it, it just you see how they continue to to, to carry on uh, until they get to that SEC championship. Uh, like I think that that's gonna be very interesting. But are there any other games that that kind of stand out to you, or, or, or ones you have your eye on? Michigan Illinois Illinois uh, Dante Witherspoon has not given up much. Uh, he can he can play he can play zone man to man he could come up and, and crash down as well so I'm looking for that that strength of their their, their secondary to go against this uh this Michigan team and I feel upset. Uh oh, upset alert! I feel upset. upset Illinois, alert. I think Illinois can do it. I think Illinois is good. And um, there's one more. That was one I was looking at for uh the for the most part, and then obviously Georgia Kentucky that you already mentioned. Mm, no, nah, I think that's it. Cause I mean USC UCLA, ugh, whatever, yeah, right? Whatever. Like, whatever. <laughs> but no, I'm looking at Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Illinois and Michigan. Cause I'm I'm he, he's a Florida boy, Pensacola hometown. So I'm rooting for him. And he's he's his draft stock has went up this year, especially that first game of the season where he demolished that receiver Man. on the screenplay. Oh, oh Nelly. Goodness. Oh, Nelly. So, yeah, <laughs> upset alert. You heard it here at Full Scope Podcast. Heard it here first. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Upset. No no sports in no. a special. No hey, sports. really? Nowhere else but here. <laughs> <laughs> nobody believes. Literally. Nobody believes. <laughs> um, but, but, but you're interested to college basketball and thoughts on kind of, you know, Kentucky-Michigan State's um, double OT, OT game in Michigan State picking up the win. Um, Michigan State won 86-77, led by Joey Hauser's 23 points, and they trailed for for more than 33 minutes of game action and twice needed, you know, game-saving buckets to force extra time. But what were your thoughts on this comeback for Michigan State? Because there were multiple times, like, they shouldn't have been in the game still, but they kept finding ways to to, to get buckets necessarily against, you know, a, a top-five team in Kentucky. Yeah, you know, the – I think the enthusiasm that these guys have for Michigan State, I think because yeah. nobody is scared of Kentucky anymore. Nobody is scared have, of... They don't have that vaunted feel. Yeah, like they don't have that fear anymore. Yeah, it's no fear. And I love Joey Hauser, this, you know, the senior from Michigan State. He was like, we'll take on anyone, anytime, any day. That's... I love that. Love that. And they move up top five after beating... <laughs> super fast but I, I feel like they play better basketball and they weren't afraid of Kentucky right and I think that's a lot of teams come in and was like oh big big Kentucky big Wildcats they're not the same anymore so Michigan State and Michigan State is no pushover Michigan State is always a good contender when it comes especially yeah. in March Madness they always a good contender but I think they play better team basketball they got to the rim they got second chance uh, rebounding, which which kind of helped them, and and they have the mentality, they have the dog, and they showed that they up shit number four, Kentucky, Man, crazy, they blue, <laughs> it ain't in March yet, it's not, it's even, not March. even March, it's like the third, second, no, first game of the season, wait, <laughs> this is gonna oh be a goodness. breeze, big fella, <laughs> upset. Um, and, and now getting into, into Kansas win against Duke and, and you know them keeping their active uh, winning streak alive. Uh, Kansas won yeah. 69-64 and Jalen Wilson plus uh, uh, John Harris Jr. were big factors in kind of determining th- th- this win. Wilson scored a career high 25 points and Harris um, dished out a career uh, best can assist. But what are your thoughts on, on this win for, Ken- for Kansas and a game in, in which it really went back and forth uh, for most of the second half? Kansas is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, Kansas is going to be hard to beat. 
They they you know they they have the experience with this squad and they got some they got some great guards. Yeah. Normally, when, when Kansas is really good, they have a great point guard and then they got a great two. Sometimes a three three is there, but they got a most of the times they have a great one and two, mm-hmm. and they have good three guards, one two and three. So it's going to be hard to beat them. They're good front court in the back court. Yeah, and the boys can light it up. But I, I'm I'm old school, so I like guys who can finish at the rim and they can do that too and create their own shot. And pass guys open. Kansas is gonna be hard to beat. It's the fundamentals. Like it's yes. so fundamentally sound. Like I think that's the thing. Like they're not trying to they're not trying to like outwill you in a modern sense, but it's more it almost feels like an old school traditional, like, hey, we're just gonna like wear you down because we have all of these different basic things notched n- notched down and we can do it every game. I feel like that's what makes Kansas just, you know, very, very elite. Yes, and then no, it doesn't matter what zone you run against them. They're going to find a way to score. Yeah. It doesn't matter running run a 2-3, 1-3-1. Man, it doesn't matter what you do against Kansas. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Kansas look good, man. Kansas Absolutely. look really good. Um, and, 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 and another thing I, I want to mention, that this was kind of a, a, a tragic event recently, the, the Virginia shooting um with with with, with that 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 was recently reported like like, what what were some of your you know just feelings with that with that sentiment because like that was just a very tragic thing to hear and obviously like it's it's one of those things like murders have have been happening rampant and you know even with with, with sports and and some in a situation like that it's going to be very heavy for those for that team going forward you know I, i still don't know the full story i know the three the three uh you know students were killed but i don't know why yeah i don't yeah, I, 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 really I don't missed. know why. Who, like, was it another player on the team that shot them? That's what I, or, I heard. I heard that it was another player. I, I, I heard that that was that, that that was the report. But I didn't, like, I'm not sure of, like, the full details. But it's 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 one of those things where I've, I've heard snippets of it, but not, you know, all the actuality of it. And it, it's, it's, it's sad that it happened in Virginia because we all remember the Virginia Tech uh you know, when the guy was in the bill sniping people down yeah. at Virginia Tech. So it's it's crazy how to be in Virginia again, man. What what a sad moment. You know, most of the all three of those guys were either juniors or seniors. Yeah. And they have their whole life ahead of them and they're probably going to get their degree and then go into, you know, into Next into the life. life. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's just sad, bro. Like yeah. you, you never know what the time, the day, or anything. That's just sad. And we just mentioned it recently. Out. With just like appreciating life, like even like when we talked yeah. about takeoff last episode, and, and that I, I think it's just it's even a bigger sentiment in entertainment and sports, whatever you you whatever you call it. It's one of those things you literally, literally never know when it's going to be no. the last day, and I feel like that's you know appreciated. I feel like for everybody, appreciating life yes. more, and not taking you know just the smallest things you know for granted. No, for sure, man. That's that's super sad, bro. Yeah. That that's is extremely sad. My heart goes out to the families Absolutely. first and foremost, and bro, like, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah this has to be more like, were were they in the dorms? I know they're not in the facility, right? Yeah, I'm so not, yeah. yeah, that's crazy, awesome. Prayers man. out to, to those families for for, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now to transitioning to the NBA with with um thoughts on the Jazz having you know kind of like a surprising amount of success so far. They're currently. Uh, 10 and 6 and 3rd in the West, but have recently been on a bit of a slide, losing three in a row. Um, but in terms of how they started this season and 
you know, how the guard trio of Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Texan have performed. Uh, what have been some of your, your, your takeaways? Because this was a team that wasn't really deemed to be competitive, um, mm-hmm. but they started off the season, you know, pretty strong. I'm telling y'all, man, I've been I've been heavy on Colin since he came out of Bama. You have. Yes. It's I love his man. He's a he's a true point guard and he brings that energy, especially with right. those bulging eyes, man. With the <laughs> with the buzz cut with just the hair on top, bro. That's scary, man. He could have dreaded up anytime he wanted to, but he wants to be scared, be scary <laughs> or something. But no, man, they're third in the West, bro. Like yeah. I'm I mean, Mike Conley has some rejuvenation juice somewhere, man. This man that played basketball right for a while. Right <laughs> yeah, man. But you know, they always they already had a decent line, a decent team without, you know, Rudy Rudy Gobert going over and, you know, obviously uh yeah. Devin Devin going to uh, Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Devin, Donovan, sorry, yeah. excuse me. Thank you. That's why you get. That's why you get the big <laughs> Donovan, Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers, and then you receive, you know, three. I think three really, really good uh, role players that can be star players, especially Colin. I'm he, he's coming off the bench, and, and I'm still I'm still high on him. But like Jordan Clarkson, he's he's elevated his game. Uh, Kel- Kelly Oli. Oh, I think. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I used to know how to say his name. See, this is this is terrible. Uh, I'm gonna call him Kelly. Kelly. Wizard it Kelly? Wizard Kelly? You know, he's been he's a seasoned vet. You got a lot of veteran guys, even Rudy Gay, that's kind of still banged up. You got a lot of veteran guys and guys who don't mind buying in. I think when you get rid, rid of two of your star big time players, mm-hmm. then you can revamp and let people buy in. But I think they're still obviously they're going to be a contender, and I'm 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 hoping eventually Colin Sexton will get into the starting lineup. But I do like him coming off the bench because I feel like he brings that extra energy for the second yeah. group. But I do want He's him the in the starting juice. lineup eventually. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, they look good. I mean, they they still have a, I think they still have a solid team, solid bench. I think yeah. You call this early. You call this early. I'm telling you, last year you said just break it up. And I remember that episode, like <laughs> Marlon was on. We both were like, man, what are you talking about? You can't break yeah, this up. And to, bro. it worked. It's I mean, so far it's, it's working. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's it, you're you're kind of at that point where you realize <laughs> two stars sometimes when they want, when they need different things and this this system is not working for them, you really have to just start from scratch. Right. And Rudy Gobert is a one one way player. And you pay him all yeah. this money. Yeah, he's, you know, defensive player of the year or going for MVP, but he's a one-way player. Now, if he was like a, a Shaq or a even, you know, a Joel Embiid type of guy, then you keep him and then you get rid of Donovan Mitchell and you build around him. But when you, yeah, I, it had to happen. I think they're free and then they have cap space. Mm-hmm. So next season, they can figure out what they want to do with certain players and get more players. And so they won in my, and I think I did say that. I think they won, yeah. but man, yeah. So I need to be in somebody's front office, man. I'm telling I don't you, know. this is, this is the guy right here. This is the guy. <laughs> <laughs> don't gas me up. With it. Um, and now getting to, to the Nuggets, a strong start to the season. Denver is currently nine and four and second in the West. Um, in their last matchup against Chicago, you know they won by twenty three, and Michael Porter Jr. scored a season high thirty one points, and Nikola Jokic had fourteen assists. But what are your thoughts on how Denver has looked offensively? Because this is a, an extremely potent team scoring wise, but also you know 
on the other side, they still need to make some some improvements uh, defensively. Yeah, and they're always injured. They're always injured. Aaron Gordon is banged up. Yeah, Jokic is banged up. We just got they just got Jamal Murray back. So once they, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. A lot of people are picking healthy, this team as a finals like possible team that that can go to the finals. Honestly, a lot of people are they picking had them. the opportunity in the bubble. Yeah, and then Jamal Murray gets hurt, right. and then. Yeah, if they're a hundred percent healthy for eighty-two games, Watch and out. I know it's it's hard to do, but these guys got it. It's just injuries that plague them. Because Michael, like you said, Michael Porter Jr. is playing really good. I think Caldwell Pope is coming to his own. Yeah, I think he's getting a, a new name for himself, and and I love it. And they they have a they have a good bench. Jeff Green coming off, DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench. Um, I think they have a strong, a strong roster. It's just the injuries that continue to plague them. If they get a hundred percent healthy, Wellington, they're definitely a a NBA Finals contender for I think sure. So. Yeah, for certain. Because nobody's got, gonna hold Jokic. Oh no, that's the thing. Like that, that what Jokic can do in terms of just like being a big that 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 facilitates can still spot up. Like, do you feel as though Jokic is can you, you can make the case that like this is hey this is still possibly not only like one of the most valuable bigs, but just one of the most valuable players in the league overall. Oh, for sure. And he's, he has that, that, that dog in him too. He does. He, and he does it so effortlessly. Like, it's just crazy how he just spots up and he, his vision is crazy. Like he drops doms. He can pull up, he can back it down. He can dream shake. He can do all these things. He has a lot of, a lot of moves in his uh, in his, his repertoire. And it doesn't even look like Arsenal he's putting in like a lot of effort. No, <laughs> it does not. He looks like he's bored. Only only time he got excited when he ran into more is my cousin. And the, no, he's not Shut really up. my cousin. <laughs> he's not really my cousin. I went though. Um, until he ran into him full speed. That's the last time it looked like he had fun. Like, like yes, I get to fight again. Like it was like, bro. Yeah. But no, nah, yeah, he's he's he's. He's the closest thing to we have to Shaquille O'Neal, to be honest with you. But he's not yeah. like crazy, crazy aggressive like Shaquille was. But I think he has that dog in him like Shaquille did. Mm. He's the closest thing we got to it. Definitely. Um, and also, also kind of looking at at the even the East, Boston mm-hmm. is currently top top seeded. Like they're, they're ten and three. Like. Has it has it surprised you that they've still been able to stay afloat with everything that that has been going on, or do you think it's one of those things where they're just kind of carrying on that that possibly you know that that championship experience? Obviously, they didn't win it, but still having that feeling of like, hey, we've been to the finals. Now we can carry on and possibly even you know do better than we did last last season. Um, they have the talent, man. Yeah, they always had the talent. They just missing the coach to to really guide them, and they had that, and then he messed that up. So now they're they're surviving off pure raw talent. Yeah. And pure raw talent only gets you so far. And we've seen that when they lost to the Cavaliers a couple times. And then they had the great coach. It was just their their talent was not ready for that big stage. I think Jason Tatum wasn't ready for that big stage. Right. Um, but man, I, they're surviving off pure talent. They're gonna need they're gonna need a coach eventually. Yeah. And they're gonna yeah, figure the out. Postseason is a different story. Postseason yes. is definitely a different story. No, after the break, after the All Star break, All Star break is a different story too. People go, I don't know what they do. They eat their Wheaties after the All Star break, so Man. it's just do or die. So yeah, it's a sprint. It's a, it's definitely a sprint. 
Um, and, and now getting into our first album review with, with Nas, Kings Disease 3. And also, I mean, you know, just, just kind of thoughts on maybe the po- our possible favorite Kings Disease album overall. Um, and this new album in the third installment of the Kings Disease series, it just continue to show that Hitboy is the best fit for keeping him relevant in the changing rap landscape. And there were also um, no features on this project as he talked more about his career longevity, plus the song I- ideas and the themes are are, are very coherent. Um, I mean, this album is just like, the fact that Nas, you know, we talked about it so many times, the fact that Nas can still do this yeah. and like a project like this, man, like it, it's, it honestly might be my favorite King's Disease. Like I, I, I like King's Disease too a lot, but this one is just like, the fact that he, the fact they can do it with no features is what just skill is so astounding to me and not really miss a beat. And he is just flowing as good as, as ever. But, but what were some of your like main takeaways and just initial thoughts on this? I see why J. Cole made a song called I let, I let Nas down. Like Nas is Nas the goat. One of the goats, so man. I love the way he, he, he writes his, his, his lyrics. And I've seen a couple of interviews of him talking about it and him like giving advice on how to write. His writing ability is it's it's rare these days, obviously, because he, he's an old school guy. And obviously he got the voice, he got the cadence, he got the bars, he got the, the lyricism, he got the melodies. It's just it's yeah. just different and it's effortless as well. Like he yeah. it just seems like he just glides on beat. Like he doesn't like get hype, he doesn't like change. Ever. He doesn't change octaves very, very, you know, suddenly like most rappers do, but it works and it still hits. Mm-hmm. So he, he's a rare breed because even like Biggie changed his cadence, Jay-Z changes oh, yeah. like his octave or whatever. Nas is literally saying, I remember the one of the artists that we uh we reviewed and he was like the same, same octave. Yeah, same thing, old time. And I was like, yeah, you got to switch that up. Nas don't but have to do that. It works for Nas. It works yes. for Nas. He doesn't ever have to switch I don't it up. Get it? I do not <laughs> get it. I don't know if it's out of respect thing, but he's been doing that since he's been in the game. Yeah. So I think he's perfected how to not. You, I guess, use the beat to. I don't know. It's just the crazy. It's it's a rare thing that he does, and that works for him. And it's a lot. Obviously, you see a lot of rappers can't do what he does. But man, yeah, this this I think this was my favorite. Every like. The whole thing, I didn't skip a track. That's what I'm saying. I let it there run. It 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 just glided through the next track to the another track to the other track. It's just like, yeah, man, yeah, Nas is goaded, man. I hate he not in my top five because I don't listen to him like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he goaded. This was like a really, a really, yeah, such a smooth run through. And, and I mean, like when a, a a rapper like him was, he's he's kind of going through that second almost that second prime because this whole King's Disease series and then the ma- the magic album he put out, the short project he put out last December. I mean, yeah. like when a, when a rapper does that and kind of can kind of reinvent themselves and is willing to get with a new producer, like what, what does that say about them and just kind of like the career arc they want to continue to have even when they're much later in their career? That's the versatility. And, you know, Hip Boy is a, is a different type of producer that he's probably never had before. Yeah. Well, not probably never had before, but like, when he was in his prime, I don't think he had that type of producer who brings those type of beats because yeah. Nas his had a beat set. selection was always criticized yeah. early on. Yeah, right. So now, like to be able to 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 utilize a a producer who's like I guess modern hip hop, right, and be able to just like kill every beat, loud on every beat, fit perfectly on every beat. That means you're a goat because. Mm-hmm. 
I Jeezy <laughs> sounded exactly the same he did 20 years ago. Like it was no difference. Just just the ha ha the same athlete. You didn't like Snowfall? It was straight. No, no, no. Yeah. It was straight. But it was just like, I don't think I want to hear a full album of you well, doing I, that anymore. I get that. Yeah, I get that. So Nas, when, I can listen to a full album of Nas. Just yes, full straight through. Yes. Like, and I don't want to skip anything. <laughs> and it's a different producer. I'm pretty sure he used the same producers he always used with Jeezy. <laughs> so just like, I already knew what I was going to get from Jeezy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that one was kind of tough, man. He has some, he has some, he has some, he has some slappers on there. He has some slappers, on, but I, I can tell the predictability, the predictability yes. of it. Yeah. I feel you on I that. I mean, yeah, we're going we to get Jeezy out of Jeezy. But with Nas, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get up, we're going to get like a different type of perspective to a different style of modern hip hop. So he combined the old school authentic hip hop to the modern hip hop, and it works. It worked perfectly. I mean, trap is trap. So I mean, you're you're what you're gonna get what you expect out of trap. But when it comes to hip hop, it's a different type of a different type of uh, um, um, I don't know space. Yes, (laughs) yes. All of that, yes. Hooray, yeah. all of that. It's a different type of a different type of vibe, a different type of speciality that you have to have mm. to combine modern hip hop to old school hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Um and now getting into to Carmega's the realness too. Um in, in this new album, Carmega delivers lyrics that, that are kind of incredibly introspective and the production is, is on par, if not even uh superior to his last project. But but how do you feel about the way this album was produced and, and, and kind of the sequencing of some of the songs? I thought it would produce Really well. Yeah. I love the feature by Nas. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, throw that in there. Um, but you know it. I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was solid. I thought it was a yeah. solid a solid project. Um, I don't think I would go back to it. Um, but I, I love the selection that you did because we we were reviewing Nas and then, then Corman. Right <laughs> yeah, it's right just the it. similarities. So yeah. it's really yeah yeah that was very smart of you, Flowers. Here you go. Um, <laughs> very strategic in how he does the topics, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he, I noticed that was a very strategic. <laughs> topic. Yeah, no, it flowed well. Your topics always flow, so I'll have to give you your your flowers. But no, no. But I thought this. Yeah, I thought it was I'm solid. This is mm-hmm. real hip hop, yeah. authentic hip hop stamp. I thought it was dope. Lyrical bars, check boxes, mm-hmm. listenability. First, first go around. I didn't skip any songs, which was we're good. The number, concise, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Um, he had two features. Lloyd Banks, I'm not a fan. He I was about to say that. I wanted to know what you thought about the Lloyd Banks. because I knew him. I was like, thumbs up. <laughs> he could have got, I don't know. He could have went and got Exhibit out of <laughs> He said Exhibit. To the, no. <laughs> he could have went and got Exhibit out of retirement instead of going to get Lloyd Banks, man. What a, oh my gosh. Mm. As soon as I heard his voice, I was like, bro. You are the least favorite on G Unit. <laughs> the least. Still the least. <laughs> the least favorite, bro. Like, Man. yeah. But nah, this was this was a solid project. Concise 13 songs. I love the Nas track. That was my favorite glory. This was my Nas favorite. Nas just kills it. Continues to kill it. Yeah. Nas is infamous. This is just a Nas episode. This is just literally just a Nas. Nah, nah, yeah, Nas, man. Nas goaded, man. the man. <laughs> Nas goaded for sure. 
Um, and, and now getting to, to our next album review with Lecrae's Church Close Four. Um, in his latest album, Lecrae, in a, in a, in kind of in a, in a variety of differently layered beats, tries to communicate to the world um, the, the confidence he has, goes through tumultuous flows, and also kind of comes with um, hard-hitting bars. But but how did you feel about this project and, and, and how Lecrae approached it? I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I haven't liked as much of Lecrae's new music compared, compared to his older music. This album, no. I, I thought, I mean... There were there were some songs I liked a bit of it, but I didn't feel as though it was like a consistent run through. Because I've heard a lot of people say like, "Man, this is a this is a classic album. This is Lecrae's best album." I'm like, I didn't I didn't hear that. <laughs> I've been I've been talking to some people who have just been declaring it, man. This is the greatest Christian hip hop album ever. I'm like, I didn't feel that. I've, no. I've heard some. I heard a lot of Lecrae albums, and it's not that it, he he didn't have good songs, but I think he's he's had better sequence projects. He's had better yes. um just just better feel a better feel to his music. I think some of the, some of the later tracks, he's kind of trying to sound like different artists, like maybe like uh, Travis Scott Playboy Cardi. It felt like he was putting in different elements that just didn't yeah. really fit, fit what he does. But uh, what were some of your initial thoughts on it? He's fell off, man. I didn't, yeah. Big time, man. You know, Lecrae was the guy. He was the man. We, we yeah. always we listen to bump him. Yeah. Yes, bro. Send me. I go. Let me go. Let me go. Like, bro. He has so many great, full, concise albums. Rehab. Um, uh, oh, oh, shoot. After the music stops. After the music stops. There's so many. The, even the first couple, Gravity. first two church, Gravity, first two church clothes. That's, that's what I was saying. Church, first church, uh, 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 church clothes, absolutely like just sweep this out of, uh, out of the way. Literally sweep this project out of the way. It's not Anomaly. Even I yeah. think Anomaly is his best album. I just mm. I don't it's I fire. think Anomaly is his best. It's so it got it got hits. It has songs. How many that albums does Lecrae have? How many albums? He has a lot. <laughs> I was about to say. He got co-albums too <laughs> with 116 click. Like it's just so many. He got so much music to say. This there's too much music. It's too much. Yeah. He's trying to stay relevant. Yeah. And that's not what makes you you. Mm. People still, yeah. I just think he's trying. Like the like last four songs, I'm like, bro, am I the listening last to four? I was like, I did not know what I was listening to, man. Uh, I couldn't. I was just. It was tough to get through. I'm not even gonna lie. It was, it was tough to get through this song. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then, yeah, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's he got surpassed, man. And I mean, I know they're look. I know we're sounding like the minority in this because there are people out here that that love it. But love just for, it. just for me, why. I just it it was not the same Lecrae that I'm that I'm used to and that no. I honestly even Restoration. I like Restoration more than this project. I just I, I didn't this this project just didn't flow with me like yeah. the same way. Like when an artist like Lecrae, obviously like he's been around so long. He he obviously has so many hits, so many great albums. Like. Do you think the the battle of trying to stay relevant for maybe some a younger audience compared to like your core audience is what like the possible move is for him now? Yeah, because it's it's some artist, Christian artist, who's doing the Travis Scott or whatever, but they got the voice for it. Right. They have the age for it, first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> so put that in there. <laughs> I love Bizzle. I like Bizzle because Bizzle sticks and he he doesn't try to stay relevant. He just produces good music and let people decide. Hey, right. I know this is good. Here you go. Thank you. God bless. But I think Lecrae's trying to stay relevant and Reach Records is trying to stay relevant. 
Especially, yeah, it's, yeah, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is now, what's Andy not Minio, Andy Andy Minio, he does not miss. Can't do he no does not. Wrong. I still have Neverland 2. That is an album. That is an album album, man. Uncomfortable. All the EPs, Doesn't miss. bro. I've never felt like Andy's like, oh, he <sighs> sounds like not. Andy's saying, always saying true to himself. Yo, Andy's the man, He's different. bro. Andy's a man. Yeah. I miss him singing, though. See, like, I played a <laughs> Sea light. That's when you really know you know Andy. We knew C. We we grew up on Sea light. <laughs> yes, bro. And then he, when he changed his name to Andy on, I think no, no, no. It was um, was uh, it Heroes for Sale. Heroes for yes, Sale. I used to bump that thing, bro. Yeah. Fool's Gold was another one. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, Andy can't miss, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Andy's the guy, bro. Yeah, Definitely. Andy's the guy. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting to our, to our next review with Coco Jones EP, uh, What I Didn't Tell You, um, the rising R- R&B songstress and, and even recent star of Bel Air discusses in this EP real life experiences and, and, the, and the push and pull of being in a relationship where uh, the circumstances have changed. Um, what are your thoughts on, on her kind of, you know, growing in, in her career and kind of, you know, the refreshing introduction this was to her vocals and also kind of impressive uh, songwriting skills? Yeah, that's what I, that stood out the most. I love the way she writes her music. Yeah. Um, you could tell she's mainstream. Like oh, yeah. her, like try to make her mainstream. I would love to see the versatility of her voice, but her writing abilities is it's is incredible. I love how she um tells a story. I think that's missing in R and B. It is R and B. Normally, it's, it used it's to be telling, storytelling. Yeah, it used to be storytelling. Most of these guys didn't sing amazingly good. It was how they constructed their songs, like eighties, yeah. the nineties. I mean. None of them did runs like most of these artists do now. None of them, Joe never did a run. Uh, Carl Thomas never did a run. Freddie Jackson never did a run. They just <laughs> told stories. They told yeah. stories and it sounded good. When you tell a good story, it's gonna it's gonna last. It's now when it's mainstream, it's all about what the hook sounds like. The lyrics don't really have to be nothing. If your hook is good, the song is good. I don't like that. Talk about something. And I do think she talked about something. And I think what I didn't tell you, I got that from her songs. I like this a lot. I like this a lot. It was dope. Yeah, this was was, and I and I we love EPs. Like this is a this is something I can just if I just want to like go like you know, go listen to through something short and just have it keep flowing. Like even like what we heard from Tim's last year. Like I still listen to that. Mm -hmm. Like Tim's EP, like 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 it's just it's just really nice when 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 artists can can put that out. Um, we we even mentioned it, I think, earlier this year with Pink Sweat with what he with what he's been doing, kind of putting out short projects. Like, we do you feel as though R and B singers kind of even need that more to like really kind of get their audience like established into what they're going to do? Kind of like put those short EPs that can kind of like you know tease the appetite. Yeah, for sure. EPs are if you use them correctly, they're beautiful because you know <clears throat> a full album you have to be more precise of how you construct your album with an EP right. man you can really just be fluent and, and let it flow you can put songs together that normally wouldn't go together and just test the water and I think I mean obviously you want it to flow a little bit but it doesn't have to be so strategic in the EP like when when Bass Boss dropped his EP of four songs like it wasn't really strategic and it was I thought it was a solid dope yeah. he's I still say he's the Tim Duncan of music mm-hmm. like 
he's just consistent, solid, under the radar, drop something, and now I'm about to go back to Cuba or whatever I'm going to go through <laughs> with my chest hairs and my tacos <laughs> me hanging out. I know chest hair. <laughs> but um, nah, if you use an EP strategically, I think, yeah, because albums you have to be. But the, I, I like Pink Sweat when he dropped his EP. I still listen to that to that day. The intro is amazing. Um, and then this EP, yo, yeah. So now I'm waiting for even Tim's. Like, I'm ready for her to drop an album. But she, I mean, yeah. If what, she, what a year mm. Tim's is even the way for you. I mean, every time we hear her, we're like, yo, like, you're just floating. Like, we're ready to hear that that that, that full project. Because like, I definitely think she can put together something special. Me too. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm not ready for an album yet. Not ready yet? If that, if that makes I'm not ready for an album yet. Cause I think she still got some growing to do in her in her okay. selection of music. She's gotten all the exposure she needs. Now it's yes, just about oh, her taking sure. her time. Now it's just about her, you know. Yes, yeah. do not rush the job. Yeah. Do not. Because she have her EPs running from like 2019. Don't fall off like Bryson Tiller. <laughs> if you that's the blueprint to not fall off. I now. hate that. I hate, to, I hate to use that he's the blueprint now because man, Trap Soul was really my album. <laughs> bro, yeah, Trap Soul is still a classic, bro. But yeah. everything else is, you know. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and getting to our, to our last song review with, with Cecily's Battlefield, um, and this and another R and B field track, she kind of discusses um the, the 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 push and pull and just kind of the the contrast of love being you know a, a struggle and kind of going through the ups and downs of things. But what were your your thoughts on this you know second single from her and kind of like what she was communicating uh, through this track? Well, I thought you know, I. I the the story behind it, I really didn't it didn't attach to me. Okay. Um, but I thought it was a good selection. I thought it was a single song. Mm-hmm. But the writing was kind of iffy for me. Okay. But I do think it was I, th- I do think it was a good song. I think it was a single song. Hold on, I'm putting it in front of my face. <laughs> I do think it was a single song. I do think her her selection of dropping music is or whoever Whoever's in her team or she's doing it herself, I think she knows how to drop a single and what yes. song is a single and not a single. But I did that. I think it was solid. I'm, I'm, I want to hear a full body of work from her. She's the one I want to hear that from. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm ready for a full body of work from her. I want to see how creative she can be with either EP or album. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm ready for yeah. a full body of work from her. It's time. It's, it's yeah. kind of around that time because we, we, we've had enough... Uh, a good amount of singles from her and i think she she's one i really like you said just let's see the creativity let's see what she yeah. has because we can see different elements of it small elements of it but we just kind of want to see like the full product yeah how what's your beat production yeah. what is going to be about the name of it the cover art the whole process i think i'm ready to receive a whole process from her definitely yeah. absolutely we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our fruitvale station review Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Fruitvale Station review. And to start with the overview, Fruitvale Station is a 2013 uh, biographical drama film written and directed by Ryan Coogler. It is Coogler's feature directorial debut, debut, and it's based on the events leading to the death of Oscar Grant, a young man killed in 2009 by Bay Area Rapid Transit police officer uh, John Masiri at the Fruitvale D- District Station in Oakland. At a budget of $900,000 and brought in $17.4 million in the box office, also had a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on a film, you know, that was, you know, passionate and powerfully acted along with, you know, being a celebra- celebration of life and, and a condemnation of death? Because, you know, we were even talking earlier, this is one of those films that 
really kind of leaves you just speechless at the end and kind of shows you the the, the immediate tragedies that, that happen in our society. <clears throat> Yo, man, if, first and foremost, Ron Coogler, to be his really first debut film, was shot so beautifully. Yeah. And I love the way he uses uh, objects and scenery to create that outside story within the story. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of producers, well, a lot of directors do that and producers do that. But it, it's, it's, it's lovely when you see a young a young director be able to utilize those skills at an early stage of his career. First, yeah, I thought it was beautifully shot first and foremost. And then just a story. I didn't know we were talking out, out outside of uh, before we started recording. I didn't know it was, it was based off, based off a true story until the second time I watched it. And uh, it made me feel angry. It made me feel, you know, sad for his daughter, sad for his friends, his, his you know, his girlfriend, but what a sad story, man. But to be able to tell his story a lot, this goes on a lot that yeah. we don't know of. But right. to be able to tell Oscar Grant's story, man, beautifully, man, what a what a what a what a what a time and mm-hmm. and to be your first debut director. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing, bro. Right? It, it's astonishing. Yeah. yeah, it really is astonishing yeah. that he was able to to, to, <clears throat> to to do that in this film. Like, and also like looking at it um from from Michael Michael B. Jordan's perspective, like. With, with the career he's had, this being one of his his early one of his earlier films that's not really as well known compared to some of the, like the major hits like you know Black Panther and Creed. What are your thoughts on like this performance as well? Because I feel like this is one of his when you really look at it, it's one of his best ones because it's so emotionally transparent and he really is having to carry a lot in it, a lot of weight in it, and there's a lot of depth th- throughout it. Yeah, what a depiction he did, man. This. <clears throat> I've seen him play, you know, roles that, you know, tug that the heartstrings a little bit, but to be able to, you know, depict this role of Oscar Grant <clears throat> really really solidify his versatility. Yeah. And to be able to bring those emotions into this film when one, you don't have a daughter, you you like you haven't been through those things that Oscar Grant has went through, but to be able to bring that onto the screen as if you did, amazing versatility. And I think we've seen every spectrum of uh, Michael B. Jordan acting skills, mm-hmm. playing uh, the villain, playing uh, <laughs> in a Friends movie, and um, ah, we, it was a with uh, Zac Efron. <clears throat> I forgot what it's called, but he's. I think he's played every type of film you could think of—a family yeah. film, a, a children film. Like he's played in it's. So it's it's he has a, a great career, but to be able to play this and depict this so beautifully, man. What a uh, what a stemple doing this career. Yeah, 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 man. He did a, a phenomenal job in this movie. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our first topic from one of four stars, uh, what would you give it? Um, to, to you, like, what would be your particular rating for it and some of your, your main reasons? I give it a four, man. What, first, yeah. like what I said before, it was shot beautifully. I love the way Ron Coogler uh, made you feel every emotion. Yeah. Every emotion, and then he takes it away from you. And then he, he'll give you a different emotion. And I love how he did that through the scenery, through the close-up shots, the close-up shots and the different angles that he utilized throughout the film. I thought it was shot so beautifully. And then the acting ability of Michael B. Jordan, Octavia uh, Spencer, who he was he's versatile. Yeah, yeah, she's so versatile. She's played every role you could believe. <laughs> um, supporting role, you know, you know, uh, 
the 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 lead role. She's played everything you could think of. She's done. I think she's done Broadway. She's done some plays too. So yeah. just to have these different um, actors come in and bring a different element to the film, man, it's four stars. I think the monologue was there. Yeah. The the amount of you know affection, just like he made he he made you feel different things, and he took it away from you and gave you another thing to feel, and mm. like he kind of played you in a sense, or just like you know, yeah. And I mean, this wasn't this wasn't a long. This was kind of felt like a short film. It felt yeah. like like a bit of a, like. Are you is that another thing that kind of impressed you about it? Like the fact that he was able to to put like pack so much into it in like kind of a shorter time timestamp compared to some longer films that we usually see? Oh, for sure. So if you can, if you can be concise as a director, and this is based off a true story. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things he wanted to leave in there. Yeah. He had to trim the fat as they would say in um, editing. Um, But to be able to do this in a concise hour and some change, that's amazing in itself. And, and to leave great parts of the film. I think everything flowed correctly and beautifully. And that even, I haven't seen the deleted scenes. I'm kind of curious to see what the deleted scenes were to see what he left off. But I think it was a, it's, it's a perfect fit. Everything fit perfectly. Even the ending fit perfectly. Man, what an acting, bro. Yeah, bro. It made me feel like I was there. Yeah, it was. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, me as well, I, w- I would go with four. I mean, this this was just a great film that, that, that really stuck to a single core concept. And even though it's not an easy film to watch, as, as we've mentioned, it's, it's an important one, um, to, to, to definitely, co- uh, convey and, and communicate to people. But getting to our, to our next topic, favorite character, um, you know, it's, it's so tough to not go with Oscar because he's facing so much, you know, whether it be interacting with, with family, friends, rivals, and, and even uh, a strangers in between facing his fate. Like there's just so much that he's going through in, in and out a day like he's you know losing lost his job having to tell that to his girlfriend just, just so many different feelings and emotions that that that, that he's really having uh, uh to 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 really like lead through and, and and still kind of keep on a strong front for his daughter and make and make her feel as though everything uh, everything is going to be fine going forward but to you overall who is your favorite character Normally, I try to get away from <clears throat> the main character but it's, it's it's extremely hard to get away from Oscar Grant yeah. Just, man, all the things that were going on in the midst. And I just think about how his mental was and how he was, yeah, the mental health and what he was fighting inside of his head and what he was fighting in pure sight and what got him killed. Um, Man, what a life of continuing struggle, but he... Found he he could way. never get away from it. It's like he could, like yeah. when he saw that 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 former inmate. It's like I'm right back there. I'm right back in that 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 prison mindset. He couldn't catch a break, and you know, trying to be that type of guy for his daughter, and it seems like he can never. He's always just never could get away, right. and and what a tragic ending that he had. But man, I, it's hard to to not say Oscar Grin is the the best and the favorite character. Obviously, it was about him, but right. His life was his life was crazy. Yeah, his life was yeah, his life was crazy, man. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had a, a helping Katie. Um, also the last time I visit you, the daycare, the, the daycare center, stray dog. Um, also I need this job. Uh, we yep. had nothing. The fight on the subway, and then uh, oh, uh, obviously uh, Oscar getting shot. Like to you, like what were the memorable scenes in this one, and kind of j- just like the 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 most like pivotal one to you. 
Every last one of you pick, to be honest, you, you God, well, it's you always pick the good ones, bro. Like, it never fails since we've been doing this podcast. You always pick the good ones and I have to, like, scramble and try to find another one. But I'm not going to do this for one, for this one. But the most memorable was definitely when the officer shot him. The, the feeling you saw on Michael B. Jordan's face, it made it so real. It like it was like because you know people when people get shot on movies sometimes it's not believable, yeah. but it made you be like bro like it made you feel like you were there and you saw like bro he just shot him he's in handcuffs like what's going on so that that scene really was really impactful and it was so much so much emotion in that scene bro that was the best scene yeah. the best scene that was yeah man Michael G Jordan play his butt off bro. My goodness, man! It's it's, it's, it's it's really astounding. And, and another actress you meant, you mentioned with with Octavia Spencer and her role, like the the feeling of like a mother with her son in, in a situation like that. Because like there, I feel like there are different actresses you could have picked, but she really was the perfect fit for this. Like like yes. you know, I thought it was the, the casting was so good, so good in it for her. Like, what were your thoughts on on her performance and also just like obviously the career she's had in the past. You know, <clears throat> she spoiled us too. Like, she, excuse me, she she yeah. spoiled us too. Her her performance was really real good, but I expect that from her. I've seen her in countless films. She can portray every emotion on the spectrum. She brings a different element to the the acting role, especially um was uh what she was the the uh she was the cool they used to go to her basement or whatever. It came oh, was and, a horror my- film. In my it, it, yeah, yes, <laughs> that film was so dope. Like it's just, and then obviously when she um, put actual poop in the, oh my goodness, man. what was the, <laughs> hey, the help? The help, the help. Like she could breathe. Like she, she could breathe the humor side. She could breathe. Like it's just like her yeah. performance is always dope. Whether it's a supporting role, lead role, a supporting, supporting, supporting role. <laughs> like she just brings that different element to it. She, she, she has. She, she's definitely gifted as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now getting into in, in some memorable quotes. Um, I had uh, "What's your resolution?" from Oscar. Also, it only takes thirty days to form a habit, and then it becomes a second nature from from, from Sophina. Um, you gotta let me hug him. And, and also, um, he didn't finally he didn't like to be alone, uh, which was you know kind of kind of at, at the end when the when when the mother saw Oscar and, and just that feeling of that that actual realization of the tragedy that that had happened. Like, but to you, kind of like what were some of your memorable quotes in this one, and, and kind of like the, the ones that you thought were the, the most effective? You know, um, I always love the interactions with. Um... Wanda and you know Oscar that that mom and especially when they were in the jail and she was just like yeah, uh I'm not coming for these visits anymore because some mamas would do it. I know my mama said uh if I ever went to jail or did like she's not coming to visit me or visit anybody like most mamas not gonna go there but I love the way she 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 put a fire on his butt like you're gonna put um Tatiana through this like this is not fair that interaction and then when uh, Sophina told her that uh, they shot Oscar. She was she was on go. She was on go mode. I, yeah. I, I'm on the way. And then she she hung <laughs> up. Like I love that mama, um, that mama side that she brings to it. She mm-hmm. she, she 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 portrays it. I mean, obviously she got kids herself, but yeah. she's a real mom. She's a real mom. 
Yeah. Real mama. But I love her interactions with Oscar. It just, you know, reminds you of that true, authentic mother-son relationship. Like, I love you, but I'm not going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. You're not going to keep. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to keep talking about you're not going to do this and do it. I'm tired of this. And you got a daughter. <laughs> she went off. <laughs> no, she did. She really went off. She went off, buddy. Um, and, and now getting into kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, t- to me, like again with with the fact that these real life elements of you know unfortunate and, and unjustified tragedy happening, like Ryan Coogler, I think he made the Oscar getting shot such, and obviously Michael B. Jordan had to portray it, but made it everything feel so real in a yes. raw sense. Like 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 the way like the last time I watched this movie, at the end of it, it just I didn't want to do anything else. I just, I just literally just just wanted to kind of like think about like just hey this is what this is what real life is especially when you're a young black man in america and yes. you can and it, like that's a thing like and i hate to say it, it's a thing that can happen to any of us you yes. know what i mean because it, it, like you literally never know what r- wrong situation you could be put in but mm-hmm. what did you kind of what was the particular element of this storyline uh, that you liked the most besides that that he made you feel everything and take it away and then at the tail end what you felt throughout the film the foundation of just that that you know input that empathy and that sympathy combined right he made you feel both of them for a long period of time at the end i love that he puts you through every emotion and then at the tail end i'm gonna make you feel all of it at the same time again at the end and then it was shot beautifully oh yes it was shot so dope man and I, i love seeing oakland I, I like California. I like Oakland to be to be specific. Oakland has definitely some beautiful scenery outside of what you know, the the hood stuff. But it's I love how he portrayed the hood and how he shot it, how he used the 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 the, the station to bring out a different element, especially right before the fight. It was just like it was shot beautifully, and to make this, he's this is like his one of his first like debut films, and it made seventeen point four million dollars, now hundred thousand budget. That's crazy. That's that's absolutely insane. Like, do you think it's like how much do you think like Ryan Coogler? Do you feel as though he kind of also like I know every director every director has to, but do you think like it was one of those things where look, I've got to study the environment, I've got to study Oakland, I got to be around this area for a long time yes. to like really make sure I pinpoint every accurate shot to, to like you said like make it feel real and just develop a, a beautifully shot film. Oh, for sure you you have to go um, you have to go into it before you even you know pitch it. You got to feel what you're gonna try to bring to the table. Yeah. And then a lot of people from Oakland, California, probably watched this film because they they know about it. Oh yeah, because it's in their community. And to be say, okay, he got that right. Okay, that okay, he got that right. So yeah. doing your doing your research on um these these uh scenes or I mean well these um uh, these um uh, I forgot what they call them the political the. I'm just gonna say the spots that you're gonna shoot in. There's there's another terminology that I know, but I just can't remember it. Mm -hmm. And then what comes to mind, he went through this in a certain way at the Bank of America. Yes, man. That's wild. Full circle. You know how I just say we can go through it at any point? point, (laughs) Like literally. And it just dawned on me, he went through that. He just did get shot. Man. But getting to our last topic, you know, 10 years from now, will this still be a watchable and intriguing movie? 
like, like how do you think this movie will age? Because like, obviously like, you know, it was 2013. It, it's been past the, the decade mark, but like, how do you feel as though like the, the, the message of this movie and kind of like what it communicated will still go on? Cause like, like, like we said, it's real life scenarios, things yes. that we see every day and, and, and can still be conveyed um, in a realistic sense. Yeah. I think it's just that. I mean, if you, there's a lot of elements to where you will want to watch this film. One is educational. It, it creates awareness for young black men. Um, and just like that relationship between blacks and the, the police, the police department, police officers, it, it brings mostly awareness and it, it shows you that it can happen to anybody. Obviously it happened to Ryan Coogler um, later down the road. Um, as just him, not just him like being on a movie right. or whatever, just him in the West Commons at a bank. The scenario is different, but the 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 foundation in the in the the, the West Com was the same. Similar. Yeah. So I think that most of it is awareness to always um you you for for us we only can play defense. We have to, you know, be aware of our surroundings. And this film will definitely show you the where surroundings and um how hard life can be for sure. Yeah. And sometimes when, even when you want to do right, some things just don't happen the way you want it to happen. But I just, for, for most art, it's awareness. And then obviously Michael B. Jordan, Roger Coogler, um, Octavia Spencer, those great actors in this film kind of bring it out. And, you know, I think it's always going to be rewatchable, but you got to guard your heart a little bit when you watch this. Cause you're, it is, you got to prepare yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You really mm -hmm. have to prepare yourself. You can't just go in it. Just, anyway you gotta really yeah. like it i'm about to watch something really heavy and i gotta have the right the right mindset while, while, oh, I'm, yeah. while i'm watching it definitely heavy. that's that's a good way to put it it's really yeah it's definitely heavy mm. yeah and, and, and before we close out like looking at michael b jordan and ryan coogler working together so much even after this like they they it seemed like they they really can connect and, and you know we, we've seen actor director duos many times but what are your thoughts on this duo and how they can communicate and really like just relate to each other even years after this film you know i love it because it's not the a same film over and over you know we like you get uh directors and actors who play the get them to play like mars scorsese and robert de niro yeah <laughs> we always mention it <laughs> we, we get the same thing or hey, uh joe hey, pesci you're gonna do the same movie you ready <laughs> Bro, everything like we'll. Sorry, my brother just texted me. Love the podcast, but the Drake hate has to stop. <laughs> I, look, thank you, thank you. Her loss, man. We gotta get him on because her loss is fire. I'm not. Even, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna leave it later. I'm gonna leave it later. I'm gonna leave it later. Man, <laughs> but no, um, I forgot what <laughs> what brothers do. <laughs> right, I need to turn. The Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler uh, duo. How, how, like, how oh, you kind of feel about? Yeah, thank you. Um, I love it because they they do different type of films. Obviously, this one's more it's more heavy than you do the superhero villain. You know, he's the villain. He brings that out, and he does a, you know a couple other films. I love that they're not sticking to one genre like some of these other duos do. You know what I mean? Like you look at uh even Jordan Peele and um. I forgot the gentleman's name. Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya, yeah. It's always a horror. Yeah, it's always a horror film or something like that. So I love the way they're versatile in their uh, collaborations, not just one genre that they stick with. They can do the whole spectrum. Yes, that's 
that's that's that's really amazing. Um, well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, and I'm kind of our save on boards. This has been Full Scope. See you later.